for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. I am Ms. Shannon, very excited to be here and talking to one of my favorite human beings in the world, but another favorite human being of mine, uh, my co-host and podcast life mate, Jayton Satia, is vacationing someplace fabulous. Uh, as we are recording, it is still in the midst of winter here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but that is okay. I am not jealous, nor am I harboring any resentment for my dear friend Jayton. I will take it out on him when he returns. So, keeping me company, also here in the Twin Cities, <laughs> my good friend, now she is a lifelong geek. She uh, is an incredibly talented creative uh, artist. She's also one of my favorite, favorite um, uh, uh, local favorites from the show Project Runway. Welcome to the show, Samantha Ray. Hello, Samantha. Thank you for joining me. I was glad to talk to you. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to see your face after so long. I know. I feel like the last time we ran into each other was randomly at a movie screening uh, for, what did we No, see? it was after that, because that was, um, I don't know if that was during COVID. I feel like that was before COVID, but you and I, didn't we run into each other playing Pokemon Go? We did, but, that, but then we ran into each other to see, wasn't it Suicide Squad? No, not Suicide Squad. <gasps> we did just ran, we ran into each other at the Icon as well. Was it? Shang-Chi? No, because I feel like it was a, not something we paid for. Like it was something where they gave us tickets Uh, to it. Oh, um, um, oh no. It was, was it Downton Abbey? No, because I don't doubt Nabby. That's not my fandom. But because Christopher, um, uh, uh, um, I was about to say Chris Jones, different geek. Chris Straub was there as well. We'll have to remember. This Jurassic is... Park. Yes. Well done. Yes. Yes, yes we that's did what it. it Detective was. work. It was. You know, here, I appreciate it. I, I, I'll give you a little round of applause. Well done, well done, because we would have been on this show all day trying to figure out when we ran into each other. Um, but that was, uh, it made sense we were in the same place. When you and I first ran into each other uh, playing Pokemon Go, that was the first time I knew that you and I lived in adjacent Twin City suburbs. That- <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've only ever, before, I'd only ever seen you doing, like, fashion stuff or TV stuff. And then right. we were just like, it was... Um, when people sort of started like going out again uh, during COVID. Yes. And it was community day. Correct. And that was one of the first ones that, you know, because community days before were in the place that we play. If you're familiar with the Twin Cities, there is a place near Theoworth Park, uh, on Theoworth Parkway, which is one of the most pervasive, prolific is a better word, prolific mm-hmm. Pokemon Go stops in the Twin Cities. Uh, and so it's, one of those places where you are likely to run into somebody else who pogos, but not in a way that is easy because it is such a spread out place. So it made a lot of sense that once we started leaving the home and being willing to at least gather in outdoor settings, that this would be a place to go. So it was wonderful to see you there. And I'm like, it was pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, okay. And it just makes it, uh, I love this about our friendship and the way that it really describes our fandom because I adore you. But if you go by <laughs> our Hogwarts house, if you go by uh, what, how we play Pogo, we should not be friends. Like, we, like, <laughs> because, I mean, correct me. Okay, so, so aren't you, like, what, what team are you in Pogo? Um, red. Red, right. And I'm <laughs> blue. Right, okay, so that makes sense. What Hogwarts house are you, Samantha? What's that? What Hogwarts house are you, Samantha? Um, 
Well, in the before times, before Joanne opened her big stupid mouth, exactly. Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that I so feel because in the before times, I was Hogwarts. Uh, in my mm. Hogwarts, I am, of course, a Gryffindor. Uh, so, and like, so Gryffindor that I attempted to kind of like coach my answers so I came out more Ravenclaw-ish and still came out Gryffindor. So, I... I, My husband is Ravenclaw through and through. Yes, which is Uh, wonderful. In the before time. Well, and I always say, like, I'm not not a a villain. I am a a go-getter and an entrepreneur, and I think those are, like... You know, Slytherin features too. You don't have Absolutely. to be an asshole. You just have to be driven. And that's part of the reason why I am so excited to talk to you today on the show because we do have a lot of overlapping in our fandoms, but you also are into some things that I'm like, I think they're very worthy, but I haven't had a chance to uh, partake in them. And I wanted to get your take on that. But, you know, one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording is I mentioned that I'm about to head off to Los Angeles to go to one of the larger Doctor Who conventions in uh, the, the U.S. And I asked you if you Doctor Who'd at all, and you said no. And we brought up another friend of ours who's been on the podcast as well, Justine Maston, who was great. Everybody go get her book. I'll remind you again uh, where you can get it at the end of uh, this episode. But uh, talking about that, and you said, and I don't want to misquote you, but you said, yeah, I, I don't watch it, and I'm probably one of the only people who doesn't, which is not true. Lots of people are not into this. Well, not in my friend group. Correct. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And then you said what I thought was very interesting. You said, but I should. And I'm always interested when I'm talking to my uh, geekly brethren and sisterin and friends, um, why there's certain things about certain fandoms that you see a value, but you still don't get involved with. Like you you seem like you were kind of like, I want to like it, but I really don't. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit more. Like what about the fandom do you want to like, but you're just not, it's just not jiving with you, Samantha. So... There are a lot of times where I get hung up on something. Mm-hmm. And with Doctor Who, it's really like how it looks. Mm-hmm. I don't like how it looks. I don't like the way the old ones look. I don't like the way the new ones look. It's just not aesthetically pleasing to me. And usually when that's the case, I can't get past it. Um, just like I should like Battlestar Galactica. Fair that enough. is one of the things that's got all of my things ticked. It's like the mythology is interesting. I love um, space-based uh sci-fi like my favorite genre is science fiction so like these are things that have like all the boxes ticked but the costumes in Battlestar drive me insane and I can't get past that and I'm not the kind of person who's gonna watch one thing and be like I hate it like I'm gonna give it a good you know the old college try I think with Battlestar I watched a solid like 10 episodes and I was like nope can't do it and I've watched several different doctors I'm like nope can't do it I'm not into it and I like I almost feel like people get judgy about it. And I'm like, yeah, well, I like enough things. I don't need to prove myself to you. That's but, how I feel um, about certain fans too. But I, I think that that's fair, especially with the amazing uh, work that you do as a designer. Um, I could see why you would nitpick, uh, and rightfully so, the costume design aspects of things because it's something that you would be intimately in, you know, you would have an intimate knowledge of that some of us can more easily look past. Like for me, as a comedian, when I see that they're trying to be funny and it's just not funny, and I'm like, this is not funny, it's not performing. Oh, I bet that's irritating. It really is irritating and it takes me out of things um, where I'm going, I can't watch it because it's not funny to me or they're not, you know, and, and I may really appreciate the concept, I may appreciate mm-hmm. the look, but there's something about it that just takes me out of it. Or 
another example, like you can't tell from looking at my my home studio, but I really like dragons. I'm obsessed with dragons <laughs> and could not watch Game of Thrones. Did not enjoy Game of Thrones. It wasn't my aesthetic. Lots of people were like, but you have to. And I'm like, I do not have to. I do not enjoy Mm-mm. this show. It's not my jam. And I tried. Again, I tried. I watched a number of episodes of the first season. And I'm like, you know, with the other things I have going on in my life, this show is not entertaining for me. It's work. And so my husband loves it. the books. Like, mm-hmm. he's read every single book. When we first started dating, I got him. I think it was Feast for Crows had just come out. And I got it for him in hardcover. And he's mm-hmm. like, nobody's ever given me a hardcover book before. That's awesome. Um, and I remember he was so excited. And, like, he had been reading the books, like, for ages and ages. And then the show came out. And he's like, I think it's boring. Fair enough. And people were like, well, then you must not like the books. And he's like, no, I love the books. The show is boring. And it's so weird that people get kind of judgy about mm-hmm. how people feel about certain geek media and how they, like, consume it. I don't know. Which I also think is interesting because we used to hold so much of our fandoms like precious where you wanted mm-hmm. it to be popular but not too popular. Um is that mm-hmm. what I felt like you were like because you wanted to have a little piece of that that you could, you know, like an old golem just hold on for your preciousness and not share mm-hmm. it. I am the other one, I like it when people broaden fandoms because I think that it gives us more quality programming. Because mm-hmm. you know, cause you'll get a better budget. You know, the, all that stuff happens. Because I don't know how it felt. You know, I think I'm a couple of years older than you, Samantha. But I remember when I was a kid. Um, if I liked a show, I knew it was going to get canceled. Because I'm like, there's not enough of me. Oh, yeah. Like, nobody's going to watch this show. Nobody wants to watch no. this show about you know, uh, uh, people in, like, a hot air balloon that can time travel. Nobody cares about, like, this stuff. Except for me. Well, and that makes me yeah. wonder if those are the people who are now in charge of HBO. It's like, oh, you've got all these shows that people like. And they're freaking weird. And now there's new people in charge and they're getting canceled left exactly. and right. Like, I love Doom Patrol. And there right. was supposed to be a spinoff that what was it? Dead Boy Detective was supposed to be the spinoff of that. And it all got canceled. Exactly. And I was like, of course it did. It, of course it did, because I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I try not to take it personally, but I also, uh, it's part of the reason why I'm so outspoken about the things that I like now, because mm-hmm. there is this it seems in uh, this pivot back to legacy activities in Hollywood where they're Mm -hmm. afraid to try anything new, even though it was working, it wasn't working well enough for them to, to, to get the profit margins that they want, Mm -hmm. even though it was successful and it was making money, it wasn't making enough money. So they're like, let's go back to what we were doing before, which I think eventually will will come back to haunt them because mm-hmm. you're going to run out of, of, of us and there's not going to be enough new people to do it. So what do you think about so, that? I think that, so my, my theory is, um, so you remember the writer's strike mm-hmm. back in the aughts? Um, during that time, there were a handful of people who were just doing weird stuff. And then the stuff that they finally were able to like get back on track ended up getting canceled because right. they had to like, uh, pick up the pace on that to try and regain um, lost momentum. Yes. So we had a handful of really cool, weird things. And then we had other stuff that should have been successful that just failed. And so for the next like seven, eight years, we had people making really safe stuff. Exactly. Agreed. The same thing happened in like anime where they were doing a whole bunch of weird stuff. A lot of weird stuff failed. And then we end up with um, harem anime and isekai because mm-hmm. like forever and ever because that's the same stuff that always sells. Right. So I think because we had 
COVID happened, a lot of stuff got put on the back burner. People got to be a lot more experimental and that stuff did really well. And I'm, I'm wondering if production companies are like, it was only successful because people were hungry for content. They wanted something to watch because they had watched everything. And now that we're kind of, you know, quote on the other side of it, they're like, well, let's go back to the safe thing because we can't, uh, we can't risk losing the money that we lost during COVID. And one of the things that I, I, I think when I'm talking to my friends that are producers and such, I think a lot of this content had already been created and was just shelled, at least mm-hmm. soft shelled. And so yeah. for a while there, we were having things roll out because they were enable, the unable to create new content for a while mm-hmm. because we didn't know how to do that safely. We didn't know how to set up sets and they you know didn't want to risk the you know, either getting a major star sick or having everything mm-hmm. start, get part of the way in, have there be a major outbreak and then yeah. have to shut everything down and then they'd lose all that money as well. So I think that some of this content was sitting there and these content creators were like, I made that two years ago. Why are you sitting on it? And then finally we had a chance to see it. And we're like, that was really neat. They should have uh, produced that and we do enjoy it. And I, I agree with you. I, I kind of think it's a little bit of both that now mm-hmm. they're trying to only back. And, and we know that our worldwide economy is still having a lot of difficulties and, and, and discretionary budgets have not freed up the way that I'm sure a lot of these uh, industry professionals would like, where we're not into a position where we have oodles of disposable income. So we have to right. make very safe choices. And I think that's part of it as well is that they're very, very fearful that it only kind of work. So they go back well, and to I, this is the thing. I that get that. Work. And I think that that makes sense, especially like coming from, you know, the last 20 years of uh, difficulties in production. But like now is the time to take those risks. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to stop making remakes, stop making reboots, stop making sequels, make new stuff. Like the show Sweet Tooth is something yes. that's been in my head recently. I, I, love that show so much mm-hmm. um and now watching the last of us i'm like this is beautiful like one of my i'd say probably my favorite genre in sci-fi is post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. um and i love what they've done with it there's all of these things that i love about it and it's making me think of sweet tooth and how much i love that show and not enough people watched it but it did get greenlit for a second season and that season was filmed last year if i checked my stuff correctly a few days ago like it's done okay where is it right are we gonna get that third season to finish out the story or is this gonna be another thing where it's a cliffhanger Mm -hmm. because like the kids got too old or like what are we gonna do about this just take the risk just do it I'm curious, I, I like, I'm one of the people that, that meant to watch Sweet Tooth, and then I read enough. Please watch it. Well, watch I, it. I, here's the thing. I uh, I, I read enough, because I'm one of those people that I don't care about small spoilers. I'll be honest. You know why I didn't watch it, Samantha? It sounded sad. Mm. It sounded sad. <laughs> and, it is sad. And I wasn't um, in the mood for sad, and so I just. Fair. Yeah, that was the it's, only thing. Oh, but it's so good. It's I'll so have good. to watch like, it in the middle of the summer when I can get my vitamin D and all this stuff and doesn't have don't have to worry fair. about it. Fair. Yeah. You know, that, the I, little boy is so cute. I you just want to, like, just, like, give him all the cakes. He's just so cute. That's like you and Doctor Who. I want to watch that show. I want to enjoy it. Everything about it is something that I feel would would really fuel me. As a geek, yeah, but I, just, but but I, don't I feel tried sad. Doctor Who, so I you know. have to try it. You have to try uh, sad. You have to try I... it. 
I'm going to make sure I haven't had any wine. I'm going to make sure I haven't had anything. <laughs> Nothing. Well, I think what I'm going to end up doing is combining my Last of Us video with, with my Sweet Tooth video. Because I really okay. want to talk about, like, how to dress a, an apocalypse. Like, yeah, I think that's going to be my... My, I'm um, fascinated to see how you do that. Point. And let's go back to your comment about it's time to take a risk and to do these things. And and one of the things I've always really loved about your design work is that it's so organically Samantha Ray, and uh, <laughs> and you are just such a, a a talented, just visionary designer that I'm sure you know when we could tell like in the situations like when you're on like a Project Runaway or something that's a mainstream show like that, um, but mm -hmm. still trying to figure out the way to showcase who you are and the kind of design work that you've done uh, in your own career. Have there been those times when you're like, okay, here's where I take a risk. Here's where I just give the people what they want because then it fuels me and makes me easier for me to take risks in my own work. Or have you had the the opportunity to not really have to make that choice? Yeah, I mean, so for the first 13 years of my business, I did um, a style called Lolita Japanese street fashion. It's very like feminine and youthful and cute and whatever, but like that was my market. Yes. And so there was part of me that sort of wanted to bridge that gap between not quite mainstream because I've never wanted to like get into mainstream stuff, but more like maybe these people who are um, wanting to take a risk will dabble their, you know, their feet in this a little right. bit and maybe want to try a frilly skirt or something. Um, but I found as I went on with my business, I was trying really hard to adhere to these rules. And every time I kind of took a risk, people would say like, well, that's not how they do it in Japan. And so I wouldn't make as many sales. But then I would see that or something similar in Japan, like a, the year later, and they would be like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. That's so innovative. And I was like, so it's not OK when I do it because right. I'm not Japanese, but it's cool when they do it. Got it. And so by the time I ended up um, switching to just doing whatever I wanted, we're like, oh, my God, her stuff is so good. Her stuff is so good. And I was like, it's it's been good. Yes. But I'm just I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to, like, go for one specific group. I'm just going to make what I want. Right. And so my risk was rebranding. And now I just make what I want. And I'm happier. My stuff is better. And I just try to, I don't know, every time I just get a feeling and I make the thing about it and I feel happier. Right. I, when I make something that is fully what somebody else comes in with, I'm like, this isn't me. Right. I'm not, I'm not a seamstress. I'm a designer. You right. don't, I'm not a, I'm not one of those painters that, you know, does replicas for hotels. Mm -hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm an artist. Right. And so when so, you're doing things like coming up with your, um, your specific patterns and fabrics and those things is how do you mm -hmm. as an artist go, here's what I see in my head. I want it to look like this. Are you that kind of visual artist as well that you create your own patterns and do those things? Or do you work with uh, visual artists and then go, here's how I'm going to turn this in the fabric that then is going to be uh, fully ex experienced as a type of garment. I mean, so I'll design the garment mm -hmm. and I, I'll source the fabric, like okay. I'll, I'll look for a place that has the thing that I'm looking for, or I'll mm -hmm. see a fabric and it'll inspire me to make a, a look. Every once in a while, I will design a fabric, Okay. Um, but designing fabric for a one-off is pretty expensive. So uh, unless the client really wants it, I tend to actually, like I've got a, a client, a return client right now that I'm making um, 
something for her. I made her wedding dress and she wants the the same lining for her wedding dress in a different color and a different fabric. And so I'm going to make her dress so she can um, present papers in like, wonderful. but I'm so excited that this fabric that I created, she's like, yeah, that's what I want. And I was like, do you want this? And then I, you know, quick squet, uh, sketched a dress for her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, no, I, that's what I want. And that's what makes me happy is when they just let me do my thing. I feel like that's the best. If, if you don't want that from me, then, you know, go to target. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And I think that's wonderful. And and as you were going, what are the other things were you talking about how you started making uh, instead of trying to fall in line with that particular genre? You're like, I'm going to do other things. Like when you started doing your your loungewear. Is loungewear what it's mm-hmm. called? Because I was like, I was calling it lingerie, but then you called it loungewear. And I guess, what's the oh, difference? It's both things. I'm it's like, both what's things. the difference? I'm not bougie. I'm just bougie adjacent. So, how oh. did, like, like <laughs> but I'm like, I do want that thing. I just am not calling it the right thing. So, no, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, my whole thing was, I like, I've been, again, dipping my toes in like sexiness because mm-hmm. I, for most of my life, I'd been a fairly modest dresser. Um, and then I'm just like, well, what if I, you know, take what I think is this thing and kind of experiment with it. Right. And so I, I think that like I started with, well, it's sheer, but the body is still covered. So you can see peaks of skin, but it's like, ooh, what's that about? Right. And it's just gotten, uh, it, it's evolved in different ways. And I was like, I kind of want to play around with what I would wear if I wanted to wear this. And then I was like, well, what would I wear if I then wanted to wear it out in public? Fair enough. Okay. So I was like, I want to make a robe that is something I can swan around the house in, but also go to the grocery store in. So I call that my one of these days when I'm slightly losing my marbles. Like once I get to just no Fs given at all, like none. Like when I am like fully, uh, fully uh, formed as an 85 year old Miss Shannon, that is the robe that I'm going to wear in the grocery store and be like, I don't care. That and my faux fur coat. Or I'm like, I'm. There you go. <laughs> I'm like, just that's the little old lady that wears her faux fur mm-hmm. everywhere. I, I think I'm supposed but to call been... it vegan fur now instead of faux. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like vegan I'm leather, just, vegan I've... fur. Mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with robes and capes for a couple of years <laughs> now. And one of the things that I get commissioned for a lot, especially for weddings, is capes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, capes and robes, just these things that you can put over your clothes and be super dramatic and, right. like, that that's the thing I love. <laughs> I I do love the drama. And as someone who's had um, her own evolution of what counts as sexy and also, you know, as a female and female presenting people, as you're having that dis- that discussion of being able to take your sexuality back and go, no, I can present this way if I choose to. You know, it's how mm-hmm. I, you know, decided to to showcase it instead of, you know, there was there seemed to be so much in the conversation that if you leaned into your your sexuality, it was just fueling the patriarchy. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to continue this conversation, oh, no, there are ways for me to go. I do appreciate this and I do want to be able to, you know, determine when I should be perceived as sexy. And what that definition of is the other thing that I really appreciate about this line for you, because. You know your use of models, your use of uh, of your of playing with typical gender roles and what matters is, is one of the things I find just absolutely beautiful, Samantha. You know, with the way that you have Thank been you. involving. You're welcome. I think it's wonderful because it doesn't go. 
well, you have to wear this or have to wear that or you're being um, so 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 avant-garde. You're being so, mm-hmm. you know, so disruptive, all this stuff. It's like, no, sometimes you're just allowed to like what you like and love mm-hmm. what you love. And it doesn't mean that I'm going out of my way to make anybody else feel bad. It's just this is what I'm feeling. No, it's it's all about what's going to lift you up, what's going to make you feel the most comfortable. And a lot of what I've been doing for other people, I hadn't internalized for myself for a really long time. And I feel like, you know, the last several years have been real shitty for all of us. Right. But um, it's also been a time for self-reflection. And it's been a time for me to kind of figure out why I can tell my clients these things, but I don't listen to them myself. Right. And I've started to kind of feel them myself which has been eye-opening. That's wonderful. I, <laughs> um, that's a good rock like, to turn before it turns into a wall. So I, I yeah, understand that exploration for you. It's hard. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like making art and seeing a therapist and all of these things work hand in hand together. And I feel like it's really helped my work. Mm-hmm. One of it's, the things... it's really helped kind of grow my, like what I create. What I wanted to ask you about as well is in conversations with my other friends who are full-time creatives, um, I seem to have this reoccurring theme been popping up over the last couple of years is that really learning how to value what you do and your worth as a creative is part of what a lot of my creative friends have found through the turmoil we've had recently. Is that something Mm -hmm. that you think you've experienced as you've been going on this journey? Yeah. I, so that first year of COVID was really hard. Mm -hmm. And I, I, at first I felt like kind of alone because I was like, what is my problem? Why do I feel this way? And then I talked with other friends and they're like, feeling the same way it's that idea of do I deserve to be able to be a creative for a living right why should I get to chase my dreams why should I get to have this when other people can't right and I realized how weird it is that creatives beat themselves up in that way when like doctors don't really or you know mechanics don't really like people who I like being a doctor I like being a mechanic I shouldn't deserve to be a mechanic I shouldn't deserve to be a doctor and it's like no creatives are sort of meant to uh, are made to feel guilty um because what we're doing seems frivolous which is so weird because in you know the 1400s 1500s 1600s like being an artist was a job right why can't it be a job now? Right. Why is it considered this frivolous, useless thing? When you look at a billboard, it's not just there. Mm-hmm. A graphic designer created that billboard. Right. So why is, you know, being a sculptor different than being a graphic designer? Why is there this difference in different artistic fields? And why are some okay and some aren't? Right. And why is it okay to go, well, I'm fortunate enough to be in a field that I'm passionate about. So that means that I shouldn't monetize it. Like, mm-hmm. why is that the the conversation that happens very often? Well, you love what you do. Yeah, but it's still work. Even though it's mm-hmm. work that I love, it's still work. And a lot goes into what you're doing. And it takes, I'm sure, a, you know, I, I, um, I was one of those people when we had, quote unquote, spare time up in the house. Like, I bought a new sewing machine and it's just in the corner. Dust. Uh, you know, I I do sewing lessons now. Just no, so you know. I would love to do that because here's oh, the yes. thing. I don't need to. 
<laughs> I don't, Samantha, I don't need to um, make a whole outfit from scratch. What I do need to do is tailor things. And so oh, yeah, even I'll, if I I'll knew how to rip some seams, here's my project right now, and I didn't bug you about this. I did text Christopher Straub, our other friend, about this. I said, Christopher, how hard is it to turn a pair of pants into a skirt? Because I just wanted to know if it was insane. He made kind of the same face you did. Like, it's a lot harder than you think. I said, I thought it was difficult. That's why I didn't. No, it's not. It's time consuming, but it's not hard if you're patient. Okay. And that, like, I'm I'm teaching one student right now who's a friend. I've actually got a lesson with her tomorrow. And I'm like, I know that you're a novice, but I know you can do this. Mm -hmm. It's just going to take time. Right. Um. And most of my most of my students are virtual. Like I've got one in Canada, oh, which is wonderful. awesome. Um, but I I only put up my sewing lessons like a month and a half ago, and I'm just like, yay! I'm so glad I can like give you guys this knowledge. I that would love that. I would have needed. I'm yeah, sign up. It's on, my, it's on my website. Yeah, I'm gonna sign up because it's also one of those that you know, as a human being of a certain shape and curviness, nothing. I I I stop trying to buy things that fit. Um, I found a, uh, I found a place in town that had, had a seamstress who I've created a relationship with and I buy everything on sale and know that I'm going to have to have it go and get tailored because why would anything that I buy out there be perfectly sized for me? That doesn't, that, yep. that methodology doesn't even make sense. So people like, Oh, thank that you for great. being the one person who says the thing I always tell people. Right. I'm like, it looks great on me because I had somebody tailor it to me otherwise it wouldn't have looked right that's the only reason it so, looks right so this is the thing if if you were to um have a store that had everything custom made it would be super expensive right if mm -hmm. you want something to be affordable it needs to fit the majority of the population and since the majority of uh people who are side female at birth mm -hmm. are pear-shaped mm -hmm. uh that is what most garments are going to be uh, as far as sizing goes, is right. they are going to be the jumping off point of pear shaped, not mm -hmm. rectangle, not apple, not hourglass. That's just not how things are. It's right. been that way for about 70 years. Um, it, it's, uh, I think it was like back when clothes started being that kind of off the rack, just buy it, whatever people would get them tailored. And since like the seventies, eighties, people don't really get things tailored. Mm -hmm. And so they've been convinced that this stuff doesn't fit them and their body is wrong. Right. And that's, if we go back to the idea that you buy it off the rack and you get it altered to fit you, then I think a lot more people are going to realize that there's nothing wrong with your body. Nothing. It's just what's going to make the clothes more affordable. Correct. People. And so, so many people, I mean, body dysmorphia is real in a particular um Thing that I, you know, back to what type of mental uh, wellness challenges, mental illness, mental health things that we talked about. That was one of the things that I really was like, no, how can you be more comfortable with yourself? And what is putting you, what box are you putting yourself in that you're like, how come I don't like myself? Well, that's it. I'm going, well, no, there's nothing wrong with the way that I'm shaped. Put things on it that fit, you know, kind of thing. Find things that work yep. for you, you know, and, and be okay with being a little bit different and go different. We're all different. And so mm -hmm. this, this, this legacy idea that we're all supposed to be so the same is incredibly unhealthy. I feel, you know, incredibly what's super unhealthy. weird is I've been, I've been thinking a lot this last year. Um, there are days where I'm just like, I am so cute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
I have spent my whole life not feeling that way. And so when I do feel that way, I'm like, there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't feel cute because I'm not. And so I have to like, I have this circular logic of, is it okay for me to feel cute today? Mm -hmm. Is it okay for me to like this thing about myself? I like it in other people. I like it about me today. Why am I feeling this way? And then I talk myself out of it. Right. That is so messed up. That negativity bias that we all have and the ability to put your negative self-talk on a pedestal and in a megaphone so quickly. It does Mm -hmm. require so much. No, I have to rewire my brain to also get back to the, no, I'm supposed to feel cute. And if somebody told me that I'm not cute, nobody asked them. Nobody asked them. Like today, Mm -hmm. I feel cute. And that makes a huge difference. And I think the more we can encourage people to do that, you know, it's not narcissistic. Like, you know, your therapist will tell you if you are a narcissist. Just because Mm -hmm. you have, you know, you, uh, you like yourself on a day doesn't mean that there's anything wrong. And I truly believe that we have just not been encouraged to do that. We've been encouraged to think small and put ourselves in boxes and Mm self-limit ourselves for a variety of legacy safety reasons. You know, where if you know you if you stand out too much, then you're probably more likely to get disappointed is what we tell ourselves. So you just don't decide to like things. And and if I talk myself, if I tell myself I'm not cute, then it won't matter if somebody else tells me that. I know that. I already told myself that. You don't have to tell me that I'm not cute. So we get in front of that um that hurt and that pain and then it makes it, you know, we don't even know what's gonna come. But taking it off the table is something I think a lot of us just get used to doing and really have to work at not doing anymore, you know, or not doing as often. It's very difficult to make yourself never do it. But, you know, you just have to do less of it. And that's practice. That takes practice. And I feel like part of what I do, too, is um, like at least with my shop, like when I have people come in um, and they'll say like, um, like my hips are too big. I'm like, we don't do that here. Mm-hmm. We don't do that here. It's okay to say like, I am, uh, you know, uncomfortable in this way, mm-hmm. but then I always make sure that they tell me something they like about themselves. Right. Cause, uh, if I'm going to make myself do it, then I also need to encourage them to do it. Um, but that's just gotta be the rule. Mm-hmm. It, it just like, you know, I've, I've got, um, a lot of, uh, clients that, are very specifically like that kind of down talk where they're just like, they come in and they just like talk shit about themselves. And I'm like, I, I am so sad. They feel that way because I'm not seeing it. And it breaks my heart that this is probably how they have felt their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And how can something, how can they walk out of my shop better than when they showed up? Right. And you want them to be, you know, it's in your best interest for them to be happy, of course, as someone who is creating something for them. But uh, you want them to enjoy the process. Like I've told friends, I'm like, hey, if you've never had somebody make you an outfit from scratch, that's what you should spend your money on just to see Mm -hmm. how it works Mm -hmm. and and to be able to look in your closet and go, that's for me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and really have it sized correctly on you can really open your eyes to a lot of, you know, more of those, I feel cute today, you know, days because you're yeah. like, well, you're setting yourself up for success and there's a variety of ways to make it less 
cost prohibitive, but I also encourage people. I'm like, this is why, and I'm not, I am fashion adjacent. I just have friends like you and Christopher. Um, but this is why when people go, why aren't you a fan of fast fashion? One, I have my reasons as far as the the uh, uh, the world that we live in. And how Exactly. So there's a lot of that of how it's created and what it does for our, 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 our shared world. Um, but also, it isn't set up to make you like yourself uh, no. going to that. It's it's. It, it, there are a variety of reasons why it's kind of a waste of money when you're better off going, I'm going to buy this quality thing from mm-hmm. a person and then wear it more than once, you know, put, you know, add it into my rotation and feel proud every time somebody sees me in this thing, instead of going, Oh, somebody's already seen me in it once I can never wear it again. Now, like, they're mm-hmm. they're going to think I, you know, the fact that we have this, feeling that if somebody if you don't have something brand new every time somebody sees you that they're going to think you're poor destitute or why are you wearing the the carpet effect it's they they see celebrities wear something different on the red carpet every time they see a celebrity photo Mm -hmm. and so they think they also need to be that way Mm -hmm. i have a dress that i love yes and i wore it like four times last year to be photographed and i was mm-hmm. like i don't care i don't have to impress right. you i i look cute mm-hmm. and I i'm like sorry it. you saw this dress already and but i look cute. i look cute and i feel cute and mm-hmm. i look good in the pictures i know i'll look mm-hmm. good in the pictures here and so yeah. i you know there are certain ones where i have go-to outfits where i'm like this is i need this type of energy for whatever it is that I'm going to do. And so that might be, maybe you're going to go in and talk to your boss about a promotion. Maybe you need to have a hard conversation with your kids. I'm always for have your outfits that give you the energy that you need. And then the next thing that, that I try and encourage people, I just had this conversation this morning, Samantha, with uh, the, the person that helped me at the post office. This will tell you how much I evangelize this. So I was returning a jacket that I bought from one of the online reelers, on, online reelers, retailers that I buy things from. Uh, and the only reason I was returning it is I must have been sleepy when I ordered it, and I ordered two. I like, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't notice in my cart. Like they sent me their thing was like again. I told you I wait for things are on sale. This was like a really good sale from this one particular like thing, and I wanted this blazer, but not enough to get two of them. You know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. so when I opened the package, I had two. No. And so I just was returning it. <laughs> and so she was asking me what I was doing. And I told her why I was returning it. And and we ended up just talking about clothes that you have in your closet. And she had said, yeah, she has a, a cousin that has all these things that have the tags on it that she never wore. And I said, I don't do that. I said, I don't overbuy, you know, kind of thing. I, uh-huh. I, I buy and then presume I'm going to wear it because I think that that is a bizarre habit that we have. But then we had this conversation about people who are always saving things for the right occasion or the special Mm -hmm. occasion or for something. And instead of giving yourself joy from this thing that, you know, maybe you got it on sale and you just really liked it. And instead of wearing it, you're always waiting for a reason to wear it. And it just sits up in your closet. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm big on creating opportunities for yourself. So that's one of the reasons why, like, when somebody, I'll, I'll make something dramatic for somebody, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, where else am I going to wear this? And I'm like, to the grocery store. Correct. My answer is always to the grocery yes. store. Like, mm-hmm. well, where am I going to wear this cape? To the grocery store. To the library. Why not? Right. You can just Who be cares? the person that came to the library in this cape. And somebody wear will it. go, where? That's a great cape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there are days, just my coat, like, because <laughs> it's, uh, it's from Hellbunny, and so it's, like, a little vintage looking or whatever. I get... 
a million compliments on this coat. Right. And it's because it looks slightly different than anything anyone else would wear, but I wear it because it fits me. Right. And it's cute as shit. Yes. And I didn't buy it for anyone, but well, no, my husband got it for me, but I didn't pick it out for anyone but me. Yes. And I'm just like, I look cute. I'm warm. I love this. And yes. then I get compliments on it all the time. And it's like, well, compliments are the side effect, but do what you want. Who cares? Like exactly. I was, I saw this, um, thing about Sean Smith and what they wore to uh, the like British something awards or whatever. And it it's this inflatable look. I saw the collection. I can't remember who did this, who designed it. Um, but it reminded me a lot of that David Bowie look with the the wide legs. So yes. and it there was a, a story and it just said um, Sean Smith trolled because of a uh, look on the red carpet being attention seeking. And so I tweeted about it with the picture of David Bowie. And I was like, David Bowie trolled, but wait, no, that never happened. Right. What if we just let people wear whatever they want? It's not your business. Right. Mm -hmm. Who cares? I... How is it affecting you in your life? I love is deconstructing it, it's not, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> deconstructing that expectation of, you know, I, um, cause I, you've seen me dress. I have a tendency to dress kind of what is considered loud um and i'm cool with that and just have done it for a long time i like patterns and i like bright colors and and i'm you know yeah i if i if you show if i show up someplace in all black this because that was the assignment like i never select <laughs> that it was okay well you know well we all we're all black i'm like do we though like are you sure okay right, all right, right. Okay. like i'm in a group like you know some friends and I do a radio play and they had mentioned that the first time I had to buy an all black dress. And then I showed up there and I was like, they don't really care. And I haven't done it since. I'm glad I didn't spend a lot of money on this dress. Cause I'm like, I don't wear it anyplace else. Um, you know, so I, I, it, it sounds so sad. The only, the next time I'll wear it is if I, if unfortunately one of our friends passes away, I have no reason to wear this dress. And um, I wear a lot of black cause I'm a spooky kid. I, yeah, I love being dramatic right. and goth, but, that doesn't mean I don't have certain things that have color that make me happy. Right. And so I'll wear something that's bright pink or I'll wear something that's got big flowers on it, but I know how to make it goth. And I, I was going to say, you're goth. I'm like emo adjacent. Like things still have the blazer that I return has giant gold safety pins all over it. Cause I was like, Beautiful. I was that girl in high school. Love it. So I think there's lots of ways that you can do an homage to whatever it is that your inner self is that you probably help a lot of your clients do that and when they've probably talked themselves into the I should be this and so they're picking that but it's not really what they enjoy but mm -hmm. they think they should oh I'm getting wet I'm getting married it should be x so how do you help them branch out from the here's the world of I shoulds that so many people fall into honestly like the I shoulds that I hear the most are like I should hide this part of my body. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, we right. don't do that here. Mm -hmm. We celebrate the things that you like, but we don't downplay or um, punish you for the things that you don't. Right. Um, so a lot of it is they know who to come to for the weird stuff. Wonderful. And I, I do the weird stuff. Yes. So they're like, I, I want to play with gender. I want to be dramatic. I want to, I don't want a white wedding dress. Like mm -hmm. in, in my 23 years of business, I've made three white wedding dresses. I love nope, it. Four. I've made four. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. But they were still weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like a pop of purple or, you know, some blue ribbon or, um, 
<laughs> a high low bright red hem or like Wonderful. yeah like it's just they know that if they want to experiment they come to me mm -hmm. well we want to uh we'll make sure that we give out your website in a way that they can uh, go ahead and get not only any of your amazing fashion but also those lessons but i do want to talk about a couple of cons that you have coming up so i'm not oh, very sure. familiar with emerald city so tell me all about that one and how you're going to be involved with that so I was, <laughs> it's very dorky. Um, okay. No so uh, one, <laughs> of my, one, of, yeah. one of my best friends lives in Seattle and she mm -hmm. usually comes to visit me a couple times a year. Um, but she's the person I collaborate with on collections. Uh, she does all the harnesses. Um, she's a, uh, an accessories designer, oh, um, mm -hmm. a patico. And we had meant to visit her back in uh, October and a whole bunch of stuff came up. So now we're going to see her. And we made it work around Emerald City because yes. a bunch of my Our Flag Means Death friends were like, okay, there's going to be a bunch of programming surrounding Our Flag Means Death. We should yeah. do a meetup. And I was like, oh, no, got to do gay pirate stuff. Um, so we're going uh, to this convention. It's a it's a pretty big convention. Mm -hmm. um, but there's uh, I was just going to go and hang out with my friends. That's mm -hmm. literally all I was going to do. And now I'm doing two panels, Wonderful. which is very funny. Mm -hmm. I was like, of course, this is what happens. Exactly. Um, so I'm not. I'm moderating a panel on fan fiction. Um, so that will be my, I've been on a million panels, but I've never moderated before. Mm. Um, so this will be really fun. I'm very excited. And then uh, the other one is, um, oh, let's see. It is, I think it's found family and creativity in our fan, our flag means death, which is Wonderful. so beautiful. Yes. I love that. I love that. Um, and I, I get what you're saying. Like last year, I was going to go to Gallifrey one in Los Angeles, but it got too Omicron-y and I decided not to go. And I was on a bunch oh, of yeah. panels. This year, back just because sometimes, even though you're like you and I and we're on a lot of panels, I'm just going. Like I didn't sign yeah. up for a single panel. I was just going to go to have fun. Exactly. And the thing is, these panels are going to be fun because yes. they're my interests. But also, I didn't go specifically to work. Right. Um, but uh, Megan and I are working on a small capsule collection uh, inspired by our flag means death Wonderful. because we both have the brain rot real bad. <laughs> um, so we're doing uh, five pieces. We're going to photograph them while we're out there. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, yeah, we're just going to have fun. I'm excited to do geek stuff. I've been to one convention since covid um, and it was to help my friend at his table. So this yeah. is my first time going for fun. Mm hmm. Uh, which is amazing. The last convention I went to was like 2019. I think you'll love it because I've been to a couple since things opened back up, including um, most recently our local Doctor Who convention, Console Room. Mm. And I did go to Convergence last year uh, mm -hmm. in person and really did appreciate being able to see um, people. It was still a little... You know, a little like I'm not sure I'm willing to be around this many people yet at that <coughs> time, but I'm a little more comfortable with it now. <laughs> then I was like, oh, things open back up a little quicker than I even me as a I'm an extroverted extrovert. And I still like oh, too many people all in one space. So hopefully you really, really enjoy the experience when you get there. And then I am sure yeah. that you will enjoy the experience by the time we get to July 6th through July 9th for Convergence 2023. Um, the largest, yeah. I believe fan-driven con in the midwest is it just the midwest or is it the whole universe now i don't remember so i have no idea yeah yeah have you so you are one of our guests of honor this year right mm -hmm. what yep. oh yeah i'm so excited it's, for you. and it's the perfect theme because it's about clothing and mm -hmm. costumes so. right right 
which is great. Like I, so I started this, this YouTube channel at the beginning of COVID um, hilariously, specifically because of how much I hate the costumes in Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and I was like, once I get to a specific amount of uh, followers, then I will do that video, but I want people to trust me before I break their hearts. Um, so I haven't done it yet, but like, it's mostly just me complaining about costumes or talking about how much I love them. Mm -hmm. Um, through the eye of a fashion designer, because right. like I feel like a lot of people don't realize that you need our uh, fashion history to build a world. You need to know how right. clothing works mm -hmm. and how like how industrial revolutions affect uh, costume, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, whatever, who cares? Watch mm -hmm. my channel. Um, <laughs> but so I'm gonna do some panels about that stuff, yes. um, which I love. Like I'm I'm excited that they invited me to do it. Um, it's fun. I haven't been a guest at a convention again since, gosh, probably 2018, because I, I think I only went to one convention in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, but I did a bunch of virtual panels during COVID. Yes. Um, so it'll be fun to, like, talk with people and answer questions and uh, all that. Um, and then I'm also doing, uh, just an aside, I'm doing um, 13 Gears. I'm doing a panel and I'm judging their costume contest. I think that's in April. Okay. Uh That'll be on my website um, when they put that up. I think they're putting that up like this week. I'm not sure. Um, I love it. So they can go and get yeah. all that information if they go to Samantha Ray, R-E-I, for Ray, not mm -hmm. R-A-Y, R-E-I mm -hmm. dot com. Uh, you can also get the information. This year, Convergence, uh, they're, pass they're doing day passes for the first time ever. Uh, and you can always go to convergence-con.org if you want to do that. I um, am going to be um, hosting the opening ceremonies uh, for oh, Convergence fun. 2023. I just got the call for that. And I'm like, I'm very excited for that because it is This will be my, my first class. time there since they moved to the convention center. Mm -hmm. And so... Because um, I don't think I've been since probably 2015 or 2016. Right. 2015. So we're actually, just to remind you, so we're adjacent to the convention center. We're going to be at the higher yeah. agency downtown. We used to be over in Bloomington minnesota for years and years that's and years the last time i went yes and so now we're over at the hyatt regency which is really fun there's more restaurants close by which kind of is a it's a it's a, a good thing and a bad thing because it was nice to go where there's no place to go except here so you got to see all your nerd friends and there's no but now you can scatter out and we get to take over all of downtown minneapolis if we choose to so, <laughs> uh, so Amazing. that'll be great so samantha tell everybody else what else you have that we should be excited about or or what do you want us to evangelize most right now uh that can support and amplify samantha ray i mean i'm getting into wedding season so mm -hmm. if anybody needs a consultation like jump on it because okay. i'm i only do a couple of of uh, weddings a month because I don't, I A, want to like make sure I give everybody the attention they need and I don't want to overwork myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to do fun stuff. Like if you've got a fun concept, let me know. Right. Um, right. And then uh, I also just really like talking about like sci-fi costumes. So definitely check out my YouTube channel, uh, Cinema Tire, all one word, mm -hmm. cinema and attire all together. But like one A, so gotcha. <laughs> Um and uh I'm I actually just did a video on Willow that is up for my patron oh. uh my patrons on Patreon. Um and then they'll get that uh it'll be public in like a week. But I did not like Willow. I thought okay. it was terrible. It my made sister, me real mad. My sister is in the same boat as you. She does not like oh, it. Oh, it was awful. At it was all. so bad. And she is a My giant husband fan. loves the movie and he was so mad. Yeah. And I was I don't remember the movie. Like I haven't seen the movie in twenty years. I was so mad. And I yeah. was just like I wasn't going to do a video, but now I am. My sister's in the same yeah. My <laughs> sister's in the same boat as you. She 
is Oof. the biggest fan of that film, which I could understand because I stand the same way for uh, for Princess Bride as she does for Willow. And if they made a TV series that was trash, I would be that oh, man. And that's how she God. feels. So understandably uh, angst-ridden. Uh, and she's she doesn't jump to I hate stuff quick. My sister Casey is pretty cool about. Well, no, they I did wanted their to best. give it a chance. Yeah, she's like they did their best, but she's like no. <laughs> Their best was their best was not good. Um, I mean, like I went into uh, House of the Dragon and I mm -hmm. didn't expect anything because I didn't like Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching it and I was like, these costumes are beautiful. This is awesome. Oh, the subject matter is stressing me out. Yeah. I don't really want to watch all these birth scenes. This is yeah. terrible. Mm -hmm. And so I was going to quit. And then that last episode was so good. And I was like, all right, I'll give season two a chance. Okay. Whereas I went into Rings of Power thinking I was going to hate it. And I fully fleshed out like yeah. the video I was going to do about how terrible it was. And it blew me away. I agree. I liked Rings of Power. Oh my god! I had very I, realistic angry expectations. That it was as well. so good. Yeah, I had very <laughs> realistic expectations. I'm like, this is gonna be phoned in from Jump. This is just gonna be. Mm -hmm. I had, it's a cash grab. I'm like, oh, this is no, just. They're just gonna <laughs> add up Wikipedia articles to stuff we already know. I thought I was gonna hate it. Um, and I was like, no. I'm, oh my I'm god. Good for it. I'm good. The, for the it. costumes are beautiful. The armor is breathtaking, and it's the opposite of everything I have said about The Witcher. Yeah. Please watch my video about how much I hate The Witcher. Uh. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> Did you hate both seasons of the like The Witcher and then that? The costumes are thing? so bad, <laughs> and the wigs only got worse. Ooh, yeah. Okay. See, as a as a woman, the contacts were real bad. I I hate bad wigs. I I also hate, hate bad bad I hate wigs. Bad wigs. Um, I will talk about a wig on my channel. Yeah, like, I hate. Ooh, ooh it'll make. I'll talk about it as, and I'm not even. I don't have as much latitude to have these concerns as you. But as someone who is a fan of a good weave and a good wig, especially if the character is based upon the wig, I hated Aquaman for a thousand reasons. But mostly, like the first one, I extra was like, and they couldn't even get Amber Heard's wig right. Like, you had all that money and you couldn't <laughs> get a wig right. Can't. No, I'm out. No. I'm out. Like so, it's in the works. I, it just needs to be edited. But mm -hmm. I did a a video about hair and makeup mm -hmm. and how um, if it's done wrong, it's distracting. But how if it's extra done wrong, it dates the movie yes. or the TV show mm -hmm. right away. Mm -hmm. And like, there, just a quick example. <laughs> Excuse me. A mm -hmm. quick example is the the movie Demolition Man. It holds up. It actually like fully holds up except for the women's uh, hair and makeup. If yes. you look at just Sandra Bullock, who is the queen of wearing the most current style, no matter what it is, if you look at anything <laughs> she's ever been in, she's wearing what's popular right now. Right. That would have worked in the 90s because her character was obsessed with the 90s. Right. But all of the other women in the background were the same way. Right. And all of the men were... Um, neutral style mm -hmm. so like if you look at just the men the movie holds up if you look at just her it holds up if you look at any of the other women it doesn't that because is they feel it's in the future all of those hundreds of years and then all of the women look exactly like her and i was like absolutely not no. i love that you brought that to my attention because now i'm gonna look for that when i go out and or if i have a a disconnect with the film and i can't exactly feel why that when there's some movies you watch again, I'm like, okay, this was so timeless that I'm okay. Like, I just did a rewatch of Fifth Element, and it's so banana pants that I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ever, yeah. Ever, yeah. I could watch it like, again Like, there's now. 90s essence to it, but it holds up. Right. And, I, you know, there's some that I'm like, they're so timeless. Like, one of my favorite movies to say that it, it I don't see that it's 98% 
still a perfect film is Napoleon Dynamite because it was already <laughs> set out of date for what it was, but not intentionally so. Just this is small town. And so in small town, nobody's right, right, for even the time right. period that it was. So if it wasn't for the use of one word that we just don't use anymore, the movie, when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, I'm still on board with this whole thing. When there's some movies that I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm surprised. I'm disappointed in young me for liking this movie. But I then I remind if myself. If you're looking at something better. aesthetically and it's bugging you, what is wrong with me? Um, look at the eyebrows. Okay. All right. All right. Good to point. Because I don't know. Sometimes I can't put my finger on it. And now I know Samantha Ray told me it's because their eyebrows look wrong. So- mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, think about a 2006 eyebrow versus a 1997 eyebrow versus True. a 1987 eyebrow. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. I, I got mm-hmm. you. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do my best to uh, maintain my uh, timelessness. And I know that I can always check back with you if I get your eyebrows. Advice. Okay. Well, I'm like, I'm just going to cover them. I'm just going to cover no, them. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't normally wear bangs, but now I'm going to start wearing bangs, Samantha. Just... Stop it. No, get I'm out good. of my face. That is good. No, I am so glad that you took some time to talk to me. Uh, I, uh, again, want to remind everybody to go to your website, SamanthaRay.com. Get your um, your custom orders in there. Talk to her. Also get on board for those sewing lessons like I am going to be. Uh, and for anybody else that if you just want to tell us what you would like to hear on our show, we are very easy to find. You can follow us. Just look for Be Our Geek Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can email the show at BeOurGeekShow at gmail.com. If you're old school and just want to leave us a message call us at 612-276-2774 and we also encourage you to like and subscribe to be our geek wherever you find your favorite podcast samantha uh we don't live that far from each other we should just get together and have a glass of wine soon um so i agree that'll be great let's do it yeah i'm in Talk about I'm geek shit. yes and uh since you had a good time don't worry i'm gonna ask you to come on the show again because that's what i do with yay, my friends. yay! So- let's do it let's do it let's i do love it. it for everybody else thank you very much for listening thanks for being part of the show stay safe stay healthy and everyone's a geek about something